Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. If you missed Hour 1, you missed terrific context on the hirings of Kim Ang and Perry Minazian from our own Bruce Levine. He's got a long history with both of them. That was enjoyable conversation in the first hour. And this hour, we're going to broaden out and look at some of the national stories. Uh, and as it relates to the offseason, the hot stove for both the Cubs and the White Sox. And later on, we'll talk to Gabe Kapler about his former assistant pitching coach, Ethan Katz. But right now, our next guest joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. Bruce? Sean McAdam from the Boston Sports Journal, good friend for a long time. Longtime baseball writer, reporter for the Red Sox in the Boston area, joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Sean. Sean, you with us? Yep. Can there you hear me, guys? Oh. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, could you hear us okay? Everything good? Yep, yep. All set. All right. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, My pleasure. I guess we start I, I guess we start the uh, conversation with uh, uh, certainly Alex Cora. What has been the the mood and the general consensus from the reaction in uh, in the Boston area to Cora rejoining the team? Yeah, I think it's been a, a hit public relations-wise uh, for the Red Sox. Um, the vast majority of Red Sox fans are happy that Alex Cora is back. I think there is a segment uh, who um, remember, you know, the, the reasons for his uh, firing, although the Red Sox always emphasize that it was a mutual parting of the ways back in January. Um, you know, he, of course, had ties to not only the 2017 Astros sign-stealing scandal, but uh, then the Red Sox themselves were investigated in 2018. So there are people wondering why they would go back to him, uh, having been uh, involved and culpable in in two different scandals, although much less so in Boston. He was essentially cleared by MLB's investigation of the Boston um, mess. But in general, People liked him. This is, after all, a guy who in his first year as a manager at the big league level led the Red Sox to 108 wins and a World Series title, and that was only two years ago. So um, the memories are still fresh of that, particularly with the Red Sox coming off a last-place visit. Uh, I would say about 90% of the fan base is very happy that Alex Cora is back. What, what, what are the skill sets that, that are highlighted um, a, as the reasons why you'd go back down this road um, this quickly? Is it an ability to work with the front office and be that bridge with the players? What, what, what's the strong stuff that, that, that the Red Sox like so much about him? Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. The ability to, you know, we, we know that the game has never been 
or required more collaboration between baseball operations and the manager in the dugout. There's a lot of day-to-day communication, not only in terms of uh, personnel and roster maneuverings, but also in-game strategy and philosophy and all of that, and analytics, obviously, a big part of that, too. But I, I would say that Cora's overwhelming um, selling point here is his ability to build relationships with players. He's still young enough that, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he uh, stopped playing. So there isn't this big generational gap that exists. Um, He's bilingual, obviously, which helps when you have a number of key players on the team who are Spanish speaking, be it Xander Bogarts or Rafael Devers or Alex Verdugo or, Christian Vasquez. I mean, there's half your everyday lineup there that is uh, Spanish speaking uh, and Cora can speak to them in a way that uh, perhaps those who do not speak Spanish as their native language or first language can't. Um, But it's just the ability to communicate, uh, to get the best out of players. Most people agree that it was not a coincidence that Devers took a step backward this year with Cora gone Uh, He also connected in a very positive way with Eduardo Rodriguez and saw him blossom in 2019. So um, I'd say those two things, uh, the the ability to uh, serve as that conduit between players and front office, but mostly his ability to build relationships and communicate with players. Sean McAdam from uh, Boston Sports Journal joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. And Sean, when you uh, go the other way with losing uh, arguably one of the top two or three players in the game in Mookie Betts and seeing him celebrate with his new teammates at championship, showing his uh, great abilities and verve out there during the playoffs, uh, how tough was that for Boston Red Sox Nation? And uh, what, uh, what type of repairs do the Red Sox have to do to keep their fan base happy moving forward, knowing they let a, uh, a player of this magnitude go? Yeah, that's a great question, Bruce. I mean, uh, he obviously is a generational player. The argument could be made that he is the best homegrown position player the Red Sox have had since Carl Yastrzemski. Um, and as you noted, one of the handful of best players in the game. Uh, that was a huge PR hit for the Red Sox. And... Uh, there's some trust that they have to earn back from the fan base because people, uh, even though the trade is some nine months old now, people cannot quite get their head around why the Red Sox couldn't come to an agreement with Mookie Betts and get him extended here. Was that because, uh, you know, there were some issues in terms of how they treated him Uh, Was it because they weren't willing to pay enough? It certainly, the fans agree, is not because they lack the resources. So that's something they're going to have to wear for a while. And the fact that that Betts plays for a franchise that is likely to be a player on the postseason stage for the immediate future, it's not one that's going to go away. He's going to be front and center in October probably for years to come. And that's going to always be a painful reminder to Red Sox fans. Um, They do have some fence mending to do here, uh, not only because of the best trade, but the fact that the team finished in last place 
this past year with the worst one loss percentage since 1965 for the franchise. And they've also had uh, four last place finishes since 2012, which again should not happen for a team that has these kind of resources. So um, they are trying to, I think, urge some patience and give Heim Bloom some time to, <coughs> excuse me, rebuild the franchise from top to bottom, uh, reassemble an inventory of minor league players that can serve as, um, you know, a constant source of reinvention of talent, uh, of a, a supplier of talent. And ironically, I, I think the, the French, you know, while people sometimes think that, well, they hired bloom from Tampa Bay, that means they want to cut payroll and they're not going to be competitive from an economic standpoint. I don't think that's true. I think the franchise they're trying to model themselves after ironically is the Los Angeles Dodgers to whom they traded Mookie Betts. That's a, a big market team with the ability to uh, occasionally go big on a marquee player like Betts, but also uh, under Andrew Friedman, a team that has built up one of the top two or three farm systems and has the ability to constantly supply homegrown players to the major league organization and be a World Series contender every year. That's the goal. The question is, how long is it going to take to get there, and how do the Red Sox uh, retain their fan base until that happens. So that's terrific context and backstory on where the Red Sox stand um, and, and what kind of spending they, they might be ready for this offseason is the next question. And I've been thinking about them the way that I think about the Cubs or the Cardinals um, in terms of a team that is dependent on remarkable day-of-game revenue. They've done such a good job, as the Cubs have then modeled themselves after and done as well, uh, of monetizing the area, of controlling the area, and bringing in all that beer money and more from around the ballpark. Without that to depend on, how hamstrung are the Red Sox in terms of predicting revenue and therefore what can they spend this particular offseason? Yeah, that, that is a good question. And the Red Sox have been sort of evasive about what their plans are budget-wise. They will not uh, – and, and, you know, not that anyone is expecting them to roll out this exact dollar figure that they have to adhere to because no team does that. You, you don't want to telegraph what your limitations are and give a competitive advantage to other teams – um, they basically have sent the message, we'll do and spend what's necessary. I think the question is, is how much do they want to go all in on a year where they're not likely to be a World Series contender next year? I, I think for the most part, they would be happy to uh, field the team that was competitive, maybe even competitive for a wild card spot next year. But it's unrealistic to think that you're going to go from finishing last last year with the third or fourth worst record in the game to a team with a chance to win a pennant all in 12 months. So I don't think they're going to empty the coffers and go after Trevor Bauer and JT Real Muto and George Springer and go on one of those spending sprees that they have in the past. And, and that's been, I think, a failure of this organization is that they have been guilty of overreacting and after a poor season figure that the best way to uh, to attack that is to throw money at the problem and 
go out and sign Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval, and we all know how that worked out. So to get themselves back in that same uh, bloated payroll jail that they recently extricated themselves from uh, would be counterproductive. But they do have to take steps toward being somewhat competitive. And I would say that while they did suffer significant revenue losses, as all teams did, um, they are better positioned than most, in part because they are currently in talks to take on um, some venture capital money as part of a merger with Fenway Sports Group. You guys have probably heard about Red Ball, uh, which includes Billy Bean, uh, with the possibility of Bean joining Fenway Sports Group, the holding group that would own the Red Sox, as well as uh, the Liverpool uh, soccer team and some other holdings the team has. Um, that infusion of more than a billion dollars of additional capital could help counterbalance the losses that they realized from no fans and the pandemic and shortened season. I wouldn't expect a huge splash in free agency from them, again, because that would uh, kind of get them back into the same problem where they were a year ago. But I could see them taking advantage of um, some non-tenders that are going to happen next month, maybe take on uh, a, a veteran contract uh, that another team is looking to unload and uh, acquire a couple of elite prospects um, with it for uh, as a payoff for taking on a big contract off another team's hands. So I think they're going to look for unique opportunities to pounce. I just don't think that's going to be in the free agent market with a big, uh, you know, a blue chip guy like Bauer or Real Muto. Sean, in closing with you, and Matt and I really appreciate your time and expertise joining us today. You had the opportunity to be around Tony La Russa in Boston when he was a consultant uh, with the Red Sox for Dave Dombrowski, the president and GM. What were your, uh, what were your thoughts about his uh, level of uh, communication at that point? I know he wasn't there on a daily basis. I know he was there on a daily basis, but not there to necessarily communicate with the media. And, and your thoughts from the outside, uh, you know, looking in uh, as to what he's got left to offer the Chicago White Sox as the manager going forward. Yeah, Bruce, um, I, I can tell you that um, while Tony's hiring in Chicago was a surprise throughout the industry and, and probably was negatively received either because of his nine-year uh gap between dugout stints or his age and wondering, can this guy still be effective in 2021? Talking to people <clears throat> in the Red Sox baseball operations department who worked with Tony uh, on a daily basis for those couple of years that he was here as Dombrowski's advisor, they had universal praise for him in terms of his um, uh, willingness to uh, get into the analytics, to look at the game differently, and further, that players, some as young as their early 20s, uh, often sought La Russa out on the field uh, during batting practice, uh, were eager to discuss things with him and communicate with him, uh, sat with him sometimes. He, Tony traveled uh, an incredible amount. Uh, Dave is one of the very few general managers and executives left in the game 
who would still make nearly every road trip. And Tony accompanied him on the vast majority of those. So this was not he'd show up every other homestand and pop his head out of the dugout. He was around the team virtually on a day-to-day basis throughout all of spring training in the regular season. And both the players and guys in baseball operations who were young enough to be his grandchildren uh, found him a valuable resource and and um, and painted a picture contrary to the sort of stereotype that, well, this is an old guy who won't learn new tricks. Uh, that was far from the perception of both players and uh, analysts and executives in the front office who found him um, open-minded, willing, and and ready to embrace what was new. Fascinating, really is. Uh, again, uh, Sean McAdam, Boston Sports Journal, uh, contributor to WEEI on their radio shows all the time. Sean, it's uh, been great having you. Thank you for your uh, expertise. And uh, that latest, that last insight was uh, really interesting. I had no idea what you were going to say or where you were at on uh, Tony's. So that's, that's going to be interesting to look at going down the line. Have a great offseason. Hopefully we can cover... Baseball virtually okay before uh, we get to spring training next year. Have a great offseason and be well and happy. Uh, Same to you guys. Look forward to seeing you hopefully uh, next year in Chicago, Bruce. And thanks for having me on. You got it. Thank you. Sean McAdam, good stuff there uh, from that Red Sox perspective on a lot of different things, Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when we come back from the break, we have a little bit more conversation about baseball, always, but uh, at the bottom of the hour, 1030, we will have Gabe Kapler, the manager of the San Francisco Giants, joining us to talk a little bit about everything, uh, Matt, including the new pitching coach for the Chicago White Sox. We'll uh, do that when we come back and, uh, and touch on, uh, once again, the historic hire uh, yesterday in baseball as well. It is Inside the Clubhouse, Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine here on 670 The Score. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Mully and Haw, Chicago's most listened to sports morning show, 5 to 9. Great Chicago sports guests and you, the Chicago sports. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score. Expected to be joined soon by the Giants manager, Gabe Kapler. Uh, But Bruce Levine, a big hire yesterday with the uh, Miami Marlins. We talked about it a little bit in uh, in hour number one, but it's going to be interesting to see what it means moving forward. Well, you think we already have seen what it means from a lot of good writing, a lot of female uh, media, and just... A lot of people talking about what it means to see Kim Ang as the first female general manager of of really any professional team sport in America. Pretty cool. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I've known Kim so long and know how competent she is, how good she is, how smart she is, how she knows all facets of the game that um, it's so natural for me to say 
Kim Ang, uh, general manager of the Miami Marlins. I, I know it's groundbreaking and it's cool, but she is so competent and so this this is so long overdue that uh, I'm just I'm thrilled about it, honestly. And and the idea that uh, she'll be in a room with a group of men talking men talk and uh, you know the uh, idea of you know can people relax, be themselves. 150% with Kim Ang, uh, who is just just uh, the most competent and easy to communicate person with that you would imagine, yet at the same time being able to command tremendous respect and uh, being able to uh, turn, off, turn off and on serious to fun, just like anybody else in the game. So hmm. it's going to be a smooth transition for Kim Ang, and uh, she is also blessed with the fact that the uh, Miami organization has gone out and uh, developed some of their own players and traded for very good players, as we saw at the end of the year, that team that uh, went through the Cubs those last two playoff games. Um, the uh, the season manager in Don Mattingly, uh, the ownership, which is also diverse with uh, Derek Jeter at the head of the baseball operations, it's a, a wonderful situation all the way around. There are little girls out there or older girls. This is a quote from the story on MLB.com from a female uh, in baseball. Little girls out there who are never going to think it's something they can't do ever again because there she is. It's the power of having someone, uh, someone visible um, in a role like that that you can follow. It's, uh, it's pretty darn cool. That's, yeah, that's I'd, like, sure. I'd love to see uh, eight or ten of uh, women or qualified people like that follow over the next five or six years. Uh, again, diversity is what we seek uh, as far as qualified people. And there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of diversified people who are qualified in the game and hopefully will get opportunities. 670, the score is where you are. Inside the clubhouse is what you're listening to. And our next guest joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. The manager of the San Francisco Giants, Gabe Kapler, nice enough to take some time on a Saturday afternoon, early or late morning, to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Gabe. How are you today? Good morning, Matt. Glad to be with you guys. Uh, it's it's a pleasure having you on. And we were just talking about the, the hiring of Kim Ang and uh, what a special baseball person she is, transcending being female, but uh, obviously being the fir- first female hire as a general manager. Your thoughts, Gabe? Yeah, no, I thought it was a really important moment for the industry, for professional sports, that Kim was able to, to take down that job. I've had some interactions with Kim over the years, and she's extraordinarily professional, um, diligent, smart, and um, really, really excellent hire from my perspective by the Marlins. Um, just an incredible, incredible, deep, rich resume, and and just really important that we get uh, minorities, women, marginalized groups into positions of power. Uh, in Major League Baseball and across professional sports if we want our games to grow. Gabe, uh, have enjoyed you and your writing uh, for a long time when you were writing about 
um, it, you know, food and nutrition and writing about baseball and analytics. Um, and it's been fascinating to watch your career here in your second stint as a manager with the Giants. Um, what have you learned as compared to the first stint about what it is to be a manager now, even even this close to when you were a player? The job and the role continues to evolve, I'm sure. What, what have you learned most recently uh, about how to do it even better? Yeah, I think um, the, the fact that we're, we're managing not just a baseball team in the dugout, but we're, we're managing people um, in, in the community. We're also creating relationships with the fans, with, with every part of our, um, of our organization. So uh, our business operations, our baseball operations, our, uh, our ballpark operations, and that is includes the grounds crew it includes ticket sales and of course our baseball operations department and you know the job of a major league manager the job of any leader is 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 to connect and and think up with those fans and and everybody within the organization and also treat the players um like like citizens like people and and not just uh you know try to tune them up as baseball players obviously the first and most important job of the manager is to win baseball games that's never going to change um, or to help their club win, win baseball games. But all of those things um, are part of, of the job description for a major league manager these days. Hmm. Gabe Kepler of the Giants joining us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. Your assistant pitching coach, Ethan Katz, with the Giants this year, has been named the Chicago White Sox pitching coach for 2021. If you can, uh, give us a little bit of the essence of what you learned about uh, Ethan, his ability to coach as well as communicate uh, on a daily basis with players. Yeah, Ethan is excellent in the bullpen. Um, he's got a wide variety of, of drills and techniques that he uses to help pitchers get better. Um, he's incredibly disarming. And I think you guys will find as you, as you get to know Ethan that he's soft-spoken, but that is not. Um, it, it, that doesn't mean that he lacks any strength in his in, her, in his leadership characteristics. Um, he works his tail off and, and wants to be the best. And you know, we're going to miss him. I I personally am going to miss interacting with Ethan on a daily basis, getting his his briefings on our pitchers, watching him run our our reliever stretch, um, watching him create. Um, new ways to, to keep a bullpen session fun. Uh, and I mean like the, the, the tune-ups between starts for the starting pitchers, but also any work uh, a pitcher does off the bump. He, he's really a well-rounded individual, very well-equipped to handle this job. And, and I'm excited to watch him grow on this new staff in Chicago. It's interesting, disarming. Uh, love thinking about that for a pitching coach because sometimes you got to – you got to relax a guy either on the mound or in the bullpen between starts. You got to, in order to communicate with him, you got to, got to break that down. So he's got that personality uh, to get along with a lot of different kinds of pitchers. Would you say Gabe? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. And um, you know, when you go out for a mound visit, very rarely is the goal to fire the pitcher up, right? To kick him in the ass, to give him a little extra energy and boost. It's actually usually to like relax the pitcher, right? It's, those are big moments. Things are moving really fast when a, when a pitching coach makes a visit. And you know, one of the things that's really important is, is can you relax that that pitcher, put him in a good frame of frame of mind. 
I think, as, again, as you get to know Ethan, you'll find out that, that that's one of his best qualities. He's just, he's just calm. There's no, there's no panic with him. Uh, he's not in any rush. And I think for a, a very, very young coach, it's kind of unusual. And, and I think that he's going to do a really nice job of putting pitchers at ease and, and subsequently at putting the rest of the staff at ease, which is also a responsibility of, of what, what, I, what I believe to be a very important position on a coaching staff. Gabe Kapler joining us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. He is going into his second year as the manager of the San Francisco Giants. Gabe, uh, the meshings of old school, new school baseball, uh, the uh, metrics uh, as opposed to the practical scouting, what have, how have you evolved um, as a baseball person, uh, knowing that you had a, a, certainly a strong career and you understood uh, the scouting part of it from the practical sense and now the metrics? Uh, how, how has that evolved as you, with you as a manager going from Philadelphia to San Francisco? I, I think in particular, early in my time in, in Philadelphia, I had a bit of a rigidity about me when it came to making colder decisions um, and decisions that, le- that were less based on kind of the, the confidence levels of the players and more based on just cold hard facts. And, and as I've evolved and, and actually into my second year in Philly um, and now through my first year in San Francisco and going into my fourth year managing, what I'm recognizing is that, you know, striking a very healthy balance between those facts and between instilling confidence in players. And, and sometimes that has to do with allowing a pitcher to face one additional batter. Sometimes it has, it, it comes in the form of, even though I might get a marginal upgrade or we might get a marginal upgrade by pinch hitting for a player early in a game, giving him that one more bat and showing him when you can that, that you believe in his, his ability might pay dividends for five, six, seven, ten games. And, and even though you might lose that, that one strategic edge in the game, it might be worth it. So I guess what, um, what's happened for me is uh, new school versus old school. Like I'm really trying to strike the right blend between the two because I think there's a ton of value in, in, in both philosophies. And, and more specifically, um, I, just, I just stay genuinely more open to um, alternative points of view. And I, I recognize that, that I, I know and, and – we know very little and it's all right to kind of keep getting surprised with information and, and it's all right to change your mind. And in fact, I kind of believe that if you're not, you're not changing your mind, you're not changing your philosophy. You're probably not thinking all that deeply. So um, I'm just, I've just kind of come off some of the, the rigidity of, of my first year managing and, and slowly improving that. I have a long way to go. As far as a, a quick follow-up to that, uh, the Kevin Cash moment, how was how that perceived uh, and how, how, did, how did that uh, go around in your head uh, with, uh, with that uh, situation with him taking out a pitcher who was dealing but knowing that uh, their success came from uh, going uh, with the analytics in this, this time frame of uh, not having them look at the third guy around, third time around for the lineup? Yeah, no, I, I thought that, that that decision was a very difficult one. Um, and I'm not going to try to be diplomatic here. I, 
I, I had different feelings in the moment. But what, what I'll say is, and, and knowing Kevin Cash and knowing how prepared he is, he does what a lot of managers do these days, which is to kind of go through the possibilities of the game. And I almost guarantee you that he thought about a similar moment that came up in that game or, or this specific moment with, with Snell prior to the game. And he had some ideas about how he wanted to handle that moment. So what he was going to do, and, and obviously this is, this is something that everybody can discuss with Kevin, is he was going to take that, that preparation prior to the game and then combine it with the feelings that he was having in the game and what he was seeing with his eyes and make the best decision for the Rays. So my takeaway for all of this is he was prepared, he was ready, he made the decision that he thought was best for the Tampa Bay Rays. I respect him for making a decision that he knew would be unpopular if it didn't work and and still doing it, right? Like that is you have to have some courage to take maybe a path that's not going to make everybody happy if you think it's going to help your team win. Ton of respect for the way Kevin Cash prepares. Know that that was a very difficult moment. And and I, I think he did everything that he could. I think he did it the right way. You know, the self-awareness that you offered about what you've learned and trying to have that balance is is awesome to hear. And I wonder if you have found that an openness about that with players actually empowers you as a leader uh, as opposed to weakens you as a leader. Because I think that's been the thought process for a long time, that if you dared share you know, the, the, the kind of uh, lessons learned along the way that you just shared with us with players that it makes you a weaker leader. I think that's not how it works, you know? I think, I think that's right on. I mean, I mean, think about how we are attracted to people, right? Like, we're attracted to people who, who uh, express some vulnerability and know that they're not, they're not perfect. And, and um, we want to we be around and, and listen to those people more because – Everybody is like that. When you peel back the curtain, right? You, you take down, take down the mask. Everybody's imperfect, and everybody makes mistakes, and everybody's finding their way. So, I think what that allows you to do as a leader is it, it allows you to find common ground. It allows you to, 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 to challenge and raise the bar for other people because you're challenging and you're raising the bar for yourself. Um, and it also makes you better at supporting because people feel just a little bit safer. Uh, they feel a little less intimidated, and you can still maintain your strength and your conviction and your strong leadership characteristics, and you know be be willing to expose some of your own your own personal deficiencies along the way. Gabe Kepler joining us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, we uh, Matt and I agreed we weren't going to put you in a situation to talk about Tony Larusa uh, at this point before. Uh, that court case and all that situation shakes out. But I will ask you this, uh, Gabe, what are the, the challenges, even for you, a young manager, in dealing with millennial players now and the, the extra time you must put in to explaining things in a way where there is that understanding when that young man walks out of the room? Oh, um, no, I... I I guess, like, re- really having understanding and empathy for, for where those those young players are. Um, and and I, I'm not sure, like, if you're looking for 
a perspective of somebody who just has a different is in a different generation than the players in the clubhouse. But I guess one way to not not really that. no. I'm just asking you uh, flat out dealing with millennials. You not being one, but you being a generation right past it, and uh, on a daily basis, uh, you know them wanting to know things uh, in a very well explained idea about how things are going. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I just don't see um, a whole lot of difference between. Mm-hmm. You know where where you know I am in in in, in my life, and uh, where a a thirty five year old player is in his, or a twenty eight year old player is, or or a player that's coming up to to the big leagues. I just kind of see us all on um, as as human beings, and and all trying to navigate life the best way that we can. And I'm I'm certainly not perfect at connecting with everybody, but one of the reasons you build a large and and diverse staff, and and why that's that's really important, is because you want to have people that, that are able to, to connect with everybody in the clubhouse. So you want to have as many resources to those players as possible. So um, with the Giants, we, we try to build the, the most diverse staff that we possibly could, and we're going to continue to, to follow that, that path. And that's an effort to make sure that our players have, have enough resources and, and, and different perspectives to, to lean on. Hey, 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 Gabe, I, I remember when you were writing about, about fitness and writing about health and eating lifestyle, you wrote a piece about eating a pepper, like a red pepper, like an apple, just like biting into it and, and trying to do it that way. And I got to tell you, I think about it all the time because I love peppers and I'm trying to eat it healthier these days. I'm vegan these days. Like, do you still eat peppers wow. like that? Do you still eat peppers like that with the seeds and, and all? I don't. And, and it's, it's really interesting. Like I've explored food in so many different ways because I'm so fascinated by how we can use food to fuel our bodies. And right now, I, and, and for a while, I've been on a kick where I haven't been eating vegetables at all, really. A, li- a few mushrooms here and there and, and, uh, and a few leaves, like some spinach and things like that. But other than that, I just haven't been eating vegetables all that much. And, um, so I can't speak to like eating peppers like an apple anymore, but I can tell you that I loved it. I, I absolutely loved kind of exploring food like that. And I remember eating, eating those peppers like, like apples and, you know, I'd go through several a day and, um, you know, that was just a different time period in my life. And it's fun to look back on those and be like, Oh, you know what? I haven't had a pepper in like four years, but I really did enjoy that while, while it was happening. Gabe, uh, we, we really appreciate your time today, uh, your expertise, and uh, you know, just I just have to say your willingness to uh, communicate in an area where you could easily say, well, you know, Chicago, that's not relevant to uh, you know what what we're talking about. I just uh, appreciate your communication skills, your friendship, and uh, have a great off season. Matt and I wish you nothing but the best. Hopefully. We will all be able to get together in spring training sometime in February or March. I'd love that. And, Bruce, I, I really do appreciate the way you communicate up front, transparent, direct. And you've been doing it for years. And I'm happy to come on your show at any time. It, it doesn't matter if you're in Chicago or New York or L.A. or whatever. Like, I, I enjoy talking to you. And, and, Matt, it was good to talk to you today. Thanks, Gabe. You too. Thanks again. Gabe Kepler, manager of the Giants, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. 
Matt, we have to step out and uh, make way pretty soon for uh, Rosie and Grody. We'll have some closing comments. Uh, if you want to get a phone call in at the end, 312-644-6767. This segment on The Score is brought to you by Amazon. Man, could have done another ah, 30, 45 minutes with Gabe Kapler. Thoughtful, interesting guy, Bruce Levine. Didn't even get a chance to ask him about hitting the ball that Dwayne Wise caught at the end of the Mark Furley. No, we did game. not. But it was a great show, uh, great content today. Lots of fun. Join us again next week. Every week we're on Inside the Clubhouse from 9 to 11 as we join you with Chicago Baseball Talk. Rosie and Grody next. People to thank today. Gabe Kepler, the manager of the Giants. Certainly, Sean McAdam from uh, Baseball Sports Journal joined us as well. Adam Stadzinski, a job well done as always. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, 670thescore.com. I write both White Sox and Cubs. Have a great week, Matt. You too, Bruce. You can find me at Matt Spiegel 670. I'll be in with Danny Parkins on Monday to preview Bears and Vikings Monday night. Rosie and Grody are next. Have a great day, everybody. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.